So we are into week three of the All I Want for Christmas series, and um, we've been basing it in Isaiah 9, verse 6, uh, which says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, which Leon opened up on week one, Mighty God, which Jane opened up last week. I'm going to be speaking on Everlasting Father, and then I'm looking forward to next week when Simon is going to be talking to us about Prince of Peace. So today's topic is all I want for Christmas is an everlasting father. And before we dig into it, I want to open up two tensions, two key tensions that I think are around this phrase. And the first tension is that this is such a difficult subject to explore because for so many, the term father doesn't bring up positive feelings but brings up negative feelings. And, you know, in preparing for this and studying it and looking at it, I've kind of been going to God, God, why didn't you go for everlasting mother? Because that would be so much more easier to connect with people. It would be so much easier to explain. You know, we, we spend twice as much on Mother's Day than we do on Father's Day. And there is no doubting that in the room this morning and in our world, people have negative experiences of earthly father. In fact, one in three people grow up without a father figure in their life. And I'm fortunate enough that I've had a really positive father figure uh, in my life, and I'm going to be talking about some of my experiences with my dad. But I want to address this morning that, that I understand that there are people in the room that, that don't feel good when we talk about father and um, may have frustrations with a lack of a father or experience of their own father. It may well be that this Christmas you are looking at the first Christmas without your father. And I want to be sensitive towards that this morning and un- I want you to understand that I'm un- I know that there's a tension there. And uh, what I want to say is I really think God wants to speak to us through this, but I think we've got to be willing to embrace and explore this topic. And uh, I don't want you to put emotional walls up and just be on the defensive, but maybe be a little bit more open to what God might want to say to you this morning. Because there's no doubting that our world needs a father figure. And at this time of year, we turn to a father figure who everybody loves. We turn to a father figure who brings us presents, who's fat and wears a red suit. I'm talking about Father Christmas, if you haven't guessed it. Um, I was going to make a nasty comment about somebody, but I won't. (laughs) But we turn to Father Christmas, don't we? And, And our society turns to Father Christmas to make us all feel better. And in the Hollywood movies, I think one of the best uh, actors who plays a father is Liam Neeson in the film Taken. What a dad. He travels around the world chasing bad guys in order to save his daughter. And most blokes look at it and think, if I'm ever a dad, or a, I want to be that kind of dad. I want to be able to track people down and be able, not, maybe not kill them, um, but maybe to track them down to save somebody. Our world is crying out for a father figure. Our culture and our society is craving father figures. And, you know, we need a father figure that doesn't just pitch up once a year and give gifts and run away again in January. We need a father figure who is there throughout the seasons, in the good times and the bad. And that is what I want to look at this morning, is Jesus being the everlasting father. And that leads me to my second tension that is around this topic because the second tension is this why is the son of God being called everlasting father 
it doesn't quite make sense. It feels like, whoa, you've got it wrong here. Either, either he's son or his father. Is he father or son? And um, what we need to understand here is Isaiah is prophesying about the coming Messiah. But what he's not talking about is the, is the role that he will fulfill. He's talking about the character that the Messiah will carry. You see, Jesus isn't father-like in his role. That's God the Father. But in his uh, character, that's how he is father-like. And that's what I want to open up a little bit this morning is, is how do we explore the term everlasting father and what that means for Jesus and what that means for us as we understand that more. And I want to break it down a little bit. We're going to look at everlasting, then we're going to look at father, and then we're going to look at everlasting father together. So let's take a start, make a start by looking at everlasting. And in Hebrews 13, 8, it should come up on the weather screen. It says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's in the NIV, the New International Version. Why don't we look at it in the NLT? It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's a New Living Translation. In the New King James Version, it says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In the New Century Version, it says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In the New English Translation, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down this morning, but Jesus Christ doesn't go out of date. Jesus Christ is always relevant. He can't be replaced by a sausage roll. Thank you very much, Gregs. He cannot be defeated. Jesus is everlasting. He always has been, always will be, and is king. You see, Jesus is everlasting. He is not the fashionable Christmas gift. He is the word at the beginning and will be there at the end. Jesus does not change. Jesus is everlasting. He is not going anywhere. You see, the infant is infinite. We are serving and worshiping this morning an everlasting saviour who does not change. You see, one of the things that a a Jewish culture, they used to refer to somebody who was the master or inventor of something as the father of that. So if I I invented the iPhone, in Jewish culture, I would be known as the father of the iPhone. And one of the different terms that you can look at when, um, when you read Everlasting Father, some versions put it as father of eternity. Because you see, Jesus holds the key to eternity. It's through Jesus that we can enter eternity, that we can have eternal life. Therefore, he is the master of eternity, therefore referred to as the father of eternity. If we want to enter eternal life, if we want to go to heaven, if we want to enter the everlasting father, then we go through Jesus. Jesus holds the key to eternity. He's not just something that someone that appears at Christmas and disappears again in January. He is everlasting and it is through him, through relationship with Jesus, that we enter eternity. I want to move on to talking about Father, and we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about Father. And like I said before, it's not about the role, but it's about the character characteristics that Jesus carried. Um, and as we open that up, I think we'll understand why, what Isaiah is saying through calling Jesus the everlasting Father. And uh, I've got four Ps for you um, that I think Jesus displays Father-like characteristics. And the first one is provision. 
There's a, a really famous story of the feeding of the 5,000 where Jesus provides um, food through five loaves and two fishes. And in those days, they didn't count everybody. They counted the men because the men represented the family. So actually a conservative estimate is there was probably around 15 to 25,000 people there that day. And uh, Jesus is preaching. The disciples are listening they might have heard some of those talks before, so they're getting a bit bored, starting to think about their stomachs. They're hungry. They're looking around, seeing everybody's getting hungry. They go to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, everyone's getting hungry, and so are we. And we, we need to do something. You need to provide for them. We need to go and get Nando's or Domino's or something. We need to eat because people are getting hungry. And Jesus turns to the disciples, and he says, you guys sort something out. So the disciples, they go away and they get into a little huddle and they end up stealing some boys' pack lunch and they come back to Jesus and they go, Jesus, we, all we've got is five loaves and two fishes. Can you do anything with that? And Jesus blesses it and they give out and they provide food for 15 to 25,000 people that day through one little boy's pack lunch. See, Jesus provides for the needs of the people there that day. But what's interesting is we often ask Jesus to provide for us out of something that we don't have. But what Jesus does in this story is he provides out of the little that the disciples had. The disciples brought what little thing they had and said, Jesus, maybe you can provide through this. I don't know, but maybe you can. And Jesus took the little that they had and gave provision out of that. And I think so often we're looking for Jesus to magic up something, magic up a new car or magic up something. But actually Jesus wants to provide for us, not through what we don't have, but what, through what we already have. I heard Bishop uh, T.D. Jakes speak on this on a podcast. And he said, so often we ask God to provide for us tables and chairs. And he said, God sits in heaven and he's like, I'm not in the business of making tables and chairs. I'm in the business of making trees. And he says, God, we're praying for tables and chairs and God's given us trees. And what T.D. Jakes is saying and what I think Jesus often does is he provides for us out of what he's already given us. And, and it might be that we're frustrated and we're going, God, would you provide, would you provide? And Jesus is going, I've provided for you over there, that relationship over there, you need to work it. You see, often we hear, my God is my provider and he meets all my needs. And we think, great, I can be passive because my God is provider, I can sit at home and watch the money come through the letterbox. Like, it doesn't happen like that. See, it's active. We've got to be active. We've got to work with Jesus in order to see provision. See, Jesus is our provider. He's father-like. A good, um, a good father provides for his family. And that's what Jesus does for the disciples and the people there that day. You see, whatever your burdens, whatever your circumstances is, I want you to know that Jesus is your provider. Look around for his provision. We're good at seeing what we don't have, especially at Christmas. Let's have a look and see where God is providing and see how we can work that provision in order to move forward. The second P is protection. Jesus offers us protection. In Mark 4 verse 35, that's going to come up on the screen, I'll read it from the screen. It says, that day when evening came, he, saw, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, uh, which I think is a storm and not a little animal. Uh, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. 
Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. I love this scene because what the disciples do is they run to Jesus for protection like children run to their parents. I remember when thunderstorms would happen as a little kid and I would be terrified and me and my sister would run into my mum and dad's bedroom like, like a scene from The Sound of Music, although we didn't sing the song. But we would run in and go, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm going to die, this is thunder and lightning. And the, the sad thing was is my dad couldn't open the window and go, be still, and it all died down. But we run to our parents for protection, don't we? And the disciples in this moment, they run to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you can do something about this through the storms. You are Lord of all. You can offer protection. And you know, when you're in the storms of your life, in the, in the circumstances that you might be carrying into this morning, you need to know that you can run to Jesus for protection, for his comfort, for his love. You can embrace him and go, Jesus, I'm really scared. This is terrible. I am right in the middle of a storm. Jesus, would you be my protector and comforter? I want to share with you a story that I've uh, managed to keep a secret in the, in the six years that I've been here. Um, I've tried to keep it hidden as much as possible uh, for the last 16 years. Um, but at the age of 15, I joined a boy band. And I, I genuinely, you're laughing now, it gets worse. Um, I was in a boy band. We were called the Noise Boys, spelled N-O-Y-Z, B-O-Y-Z, because we were down with the kids. And uh, we used to do discos, we would DJ, we would go and do birthday parties, primary school discos. We even did a wedding once, which was weird, um, but we did that. We also used to perform songs. Now, when I say perform, we would learn five songs, learn the routines, and mime to them. No word of a lie, we used to do S Club 7 songs, <laughs> we used to do the YMCA, all these kind of things. And we had outfits, we were like, like, think, like matching boy band outfits from the 90s. That was what it was like. And uh, I loved it. I've got to be honest, I absolutely loved it. And um, it's so embarrassing to talk about it today and think about it. Um, but at one point, we, we were um, doing like kids discos and year, year six leaving parties and stuff like that. And because we were older teenagers, the kids would look up to us and, and think we were superstars and think, think we were, you know, the next big hip-hop happening boy band. We weren't. But they used to think that, and they'd come to us at the end, and they'd ask us to sign things, and we were doing autographs. I mean, imagine me as a 15-year-old signing autographs. I thought I was Peter Andre. And they, I was signing autographs and signing cups and all this kind of stuff. So then we had a brainwave, and we were like, we need to get something that we can sign for people. So we decided that we were going to do a calendar. And we created the Noise Boys calendar that was available in the, in the Christmas of 2002. And I so wish I had pictures to show you. I was at my mum and dad's last week. We went in the loft looking for it. We could not find it. If I do find it, I promise I'll put it on social media for you to see. But we were taking all these pictures and we were in our uniforms. At one point we had sunglasses with lights that flashed across the top. Like we had all sorts of stuff. And then we're doing this photo shoot and, you know, I was a teenage boy and I was like, you know, really loving the attention from the girls that I was getting. And I was like, do you know what? I've been working on like a little four pack on my stomach. And 
And I think I've got like some scrawny arms that I could, I could show off. I was like, boys, I'm going to do a topless one. So it took me top off, and I'm posing, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, boys, yeah, yeah. Think, honestly, thinking I was Peter Andre. And at that point, my sister walked into the room, and she was like, what are you doing? I was like, topless photos for the girls, innit? And I <laughs> properly loving it. She ran and told my mum and dad, because she's a little grass, and they, she went and told my mum and dad. My mum and dad hit the roof, and they are like, you are not doing a topless calendar for teenage girls. I was like, why not? And my mum and dad refused to let me do it. I was furious with them. I was angry with them. I didn't speak to them, but they refused to let me do something. And looking back, I'm really grateful that they did that. <laughs> I am so, so grateful. You see, their no protected me, not just from embarrassment, but from inappropriateness. It's probably the modern day equivalent of taking me off Instagram and Snapchat. Like, I'm so grateful for their protection in that. And I think so often we can feel frustrated with Jesus, we can feel angry with Jesus because we're not being, um, being able to step into something and it feels like every time we try to step into something, the door closes and sometimes Jesus says no is for our protection. You see, a good father doesn't just say yes to everything, doesn't just say yes to everything that you want to do. A good father sometimes says no for your protection. And I think sometimes Jesus says no to us in order to stop us walking out a destiny that's not ours to fulfill. You see, I think Jesus says no to us sometimes for our protection. You know, I'm so grateful that Jesus said no to me when it came for me being able to sing. Because if I could sing, I would have such a big head. I mean, I already tell Dan what to do and how to lead worship, and I can't sing or play an instrument. If I could, I would be an absolute nightmare. I genuinely believe God has protected me from such pride issues through not having a, a musical ability. The third P is participation. Jesus invites us into participation. Let's put Jesus over there for a moment. Uh, please don't kill me for bad theology but let's just put Jesus over there for the moment and think about think about Joseph what must it have been like for Joseph to be father to the everlasting father like imagine the moment that, that Joseph teaches Jesus how to ride a bike and he's thinking I'm I'm teaching the creator of the world how to ride a bike like, imagine the moment where, G where Joseph is up with, with Jesus crying in the night as a baby and, and, he's, and he's holding him and he's, he's letting him suck his little finger to try and get him off to sleep and he's rocking him and he's going, what is it? I'm being father to the everlasting father. You see, God, when he came to earth in human form, he could have split open a mountain, appeared and was like, I am Jesus. But he didn't. He invited Joseph to participate. He invited Joseph to become father to the everlasting father. And you know, as we read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus lives that out as well. You see, there was probably a point where Joseph taught Jesus how to be a carpenter because Joseph was a carpenter and Jesus was a carpenter for so long. You see, Joseph passed on what he knew to Jesus and they participated together. And you see in, in the way that Jesus interacts with the disciples, the that Jesus uh, invites them to participate. He gets them involved. And you know, Jesus invites us 
to be involved. And, you know, Christmas time at, at Life Central is an incredible way to participate in the mission of God. You know, if you haven't already, maybe you're still building up the courage to invite. I want to encourage you, participate with the mission of God and invite people to the Christmas show. Invite people to church. Talk to people about your faith. What a, what a privilege we have in participating in the, in the mission of God. You know, I remember when my dad was decorating and me being like, can I help dad? And I was terrible. Like, my dad probably had to go go back and redo the bits or undo the bits and then do them properly that I did. But I loved it because my dad was letting me participate in what he was trying to achieve. And, you know, Jesus invites us to participate. He says this to the disciples in Luke 10. It says, um, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, said the therefore too early, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's saying, ask the Lord to participate. Ask him to let you participate. Get participants involved. He says, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. I mean, he nails it there, doesn't he? Lambs among wolves. That's so often how we can feel in our culture when it comes to participating in the mission of God. You're like, I'm a lamb amongst wolves here. But Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the son of God, the everlasting father, says go. He invites us to participate in his mission. The final P is preparation. You know, a good father prepares you for the future. And it's terrifying for me recently to realize that I'm now old enough to be the dad of half of the young people in the youth ministry. That is terrifying to me. Um, I'm I said it to Laura, and Laura's like, just don't talk about it. Um, but we, what we try and do in the youth ministry is we're not just trying to lead young people to follow Jesus today and tomorrow. We want to we help young people and prepare them to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. So often we teach about how to make wise decisions so that they can practice making wise decisions today so that when they go to university or in the workplace, they're already practiced and prepared in how to make those wise decisions and we use this um, analogy when, when talking about it. And we say, imagine a parent who is dropping their kids off at uni for the first time. Now, the, the mum and dad, they'll load the car and they'll make sure that there are certain things in the car. They'll make sure that there's a duvet in there. They'll make sure that there's pasta in there. They'll make sure that there's a change of underpants in there. They will load the car and make sure that there are certain things. Like my dad would have given me a roller gaffer tape and a screwdriver because those two things solve every problem in a house. And Parents load the car at university so that their child is prepared enough to face the big bad world of university. And Jesus, what he does with, his, with the disciples is he prepares them. If you read the Gospels and you see the conversations that him and the disciples have, he's preparing them. He's dropping little things for them and saying, saying hey, when, when I'm gone, when I've, when I've gone up to heaven, you're going to remember this lesson and you're going to be prepared in order to live that out. You see, a good father prepares their child for the future and you know Jesus says this in John 16 he says I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble what a promise to have from Jesus eh? in this world you will have trouble we've never written a song about that one have we but Jesus promises that whether we follow him or not in this world we will have trouble but Jesus says take heart I have overcome the world you see, whatever you're going through, it might be a surprise to you, but it's no surprise to God. 
I heard a quote recently that said, problems are God's curriculum for those who want to grow. You know, if you've got difficult circumstances at the moment, I want you to celebrate that God's at work within those circumstances. Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, the problems and circumstances that you face right now are momentary. God is at work in the midst of your circumstances. And that's something that we've been talking to our young people uh, about. And if you, we, uh, I spoke about it at our last threads. If you want to go back and listen to that on podcast, it is available on our podcast. But if you read the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus is preparing his disciples and preparing us to live out his mission. And you know, if you're a Christian this morning, then you are called to be Christ-like. You are called to be an imitator of Christ. So it's important to understand that these four things is a way that Jesus is a father figure to us, but also it's a way that we must live out being a father figure to others. And I haven't got time to unpack that, but maybe you, you could go away and think about how you could be those things in your world. I want to finish by putting everlasting father together. So what does it mean that Jesus is an everlasting father? I remember as a kid in primary school, having arguments with other kids going, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad could take your dad in a fight. And I'm sure kids still do that today. And I remember being in trouble at home and my mum saying, wait till your dad gets home. And me being absolutely terrified. But I also remember the day as an older teenager, when I sized myself up, me and my four pack and my scrawny arms, and I looked at my dad and I thought, I could take you. I reckon I'm quicker than you now. I reckon I'm stronger. And I remember that moment where I squared up to him and, and it didn't go well for me. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm now married. I don't live in uh, the, the family home anymore. I've got my own family home. But my dad is still my dad. And it doesn't matter how old I get, my dad still says, oh, the kids are home this weekend. You know, if you're, if you're a parent of older children and perhaps you've got grandkids, you still refer to your kids as your kids doesn't matter how old you get, they're still your kids. And you know, it doesn't matter how far we stray from Jesus. There is no unfathering process. The day I got married, I didn't turn to my dad and say, you are no longer my father. Like my father is still my father. There's no unfathering process. The Bible says we are adopted into his family. We're part of his forever family. And you know, this. One of the most famous stories that Jesus told is the story of the prodigal son, where the son comes to his dad and basically says, I wish you were dead. I want half of my, I want my inheritance now so I can spend it and enjoy it. And because the dad loves his son enough to let him make his own decisions, he gives him it and the son goes and blows all the money on all this kind of stuff. But the dad never stops being his dad. You see, the son might have said, you're not my dad anymore. I wish you were dead and, and go away. But the father still waited for him. He watched at the window. He waited and he waited. And the moment the son started to come back towards him, the father ran to embrace him. Band, if you could make your way back up, that would be great. You see, the father never stopped being his father. And he waited and waited and waited to embrace him. And he loved him just as he was. And, you know, this morning as we close, maybe... Maybe you need an embrace from the Father. Maybe you need an embrace from Jesus, our everlasting Father. You see, he wants to love us. He wants to provide for us. He wants to be our protector. He wants us 
to participate. He wants to prepare us. But maybe this morning you just need to embrace him and you need to respond. And maybe in a moment what we're going to do is we're going to sing um, a song called Good, Good Father. It felt undenied about whether we should sing this song because in one sense it feels really corny. On the other hand, it just feels like we can't not sing it this morning because this song talks about who God is as a father. And, you know, as we sing this song, our prayer team are going to be available at the front. And maybe, maybe you're a person this morning who just needs an embrace from the everlasting father. So I want to invite you to stand. And I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you that you, you don't go out of date, God. You are relevant. Jesus, I pray as we've looked at what is perhaps a a difficult subject for some, God, I pray that you would be embracing us right now. As we've maybe talked about understanding and challenged our minds a little bit God I pray that you would you would embrace our hearts right now Jesus I pray that that we might run to you for protection that we would know that you you are our protector you are our comforter in times of need God I pray that we would look to you for our provision God would we look to you when we when we participate preparation but God I pray right now that as maybe some of us just run to you just because we need an embrace from you God I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage like that prodigal son needed to turn towards you and make the brave steps towards the father's embrace Make your way down to the front and the the prayer team would love to pray with you this morning.